you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey everybody, today's episode of the Around the NFL podcast is presented by Rocket Mortgage. Join Rocket Mortgage in saying thank you to essential workers by posting a video to everyone knows a hero.com. Everyone knows a hero.com. All right, let's get to the Wednesday show. The Around the NFL Podcast Are all out of quarantine jokes Almost Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL Podcast My name is Dan Hansis I'm coming to you from a city filled with heroes in bunkers Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal What is up, boys? Hey, Dan Hey, How's everybody doing? It's hump day. Hump day in a quarantine. Nothing worse than the entire world has ever happened. <laughs> it's nice out, though. It's yeah. beautiful here in Southern California. It is starting to really get to me, um, though, this, this no sports thing. And uh, not a big college sports guy, so March Madness, I, I you know, that was an excitement that was lost. Um, other people, that was a much bigger hit. I get that. Um, NBA, that stinks, uh, but the, the Knicks being terrible has taken me out of the league a little bit until playoff time, but not having my Yankees, and I think there's a lot of people out here like the Masters and people that are big baseball fans and hockey would be getting hot right now. For me, it's starting to like, I'm feeling that itch, like where are my sports? I'm, I'm talking to you guys right now because I fell in love with sports when I was young, so this idea that they've just gone now and it's becoming just a part of the world I'm not used to it. In fact, it's starting. The itch is getting harder to scratch, Wes. It's right in the center of the back. Yeah, I had football was my first or uh, baseball was my first love. And and I was obsessed with it most of my life. I got back into it a few years ago with the Reds and they've been keeping me sane. Baseball's every day and you get used to that, you know, for 162 straight days. You get one day off a week, maybe, but it's there every day. And it's for the first times in our lives, except for the 90. 495 strike it's not there and I had sort of I I was excited for the Reds for the first time in a while that they might actually reward my faith and loyalty and 
and have a good season. <laughs> and, mm. But I have a mental block on baseball. I just won't even allow my mind to go there because I was so excited for this season. And now I, I just don't think it's happening this summer at all. I hear you guys. I mean, I don't, I, I you know, openly don't um, track baseball uh, or, or really any sport outside of football the same way you guys do. But I don't say that cynically. I think that um, I've got in my own friend group five or six guys who uh, lean on sports to de-stress and to connect with something and to uh, simply sit back and enjoy. And it's it's been replaced with nothing. I mean, I'm at the point where I don't care what Netflix show um, you are obsessed with. I'm done with Netflix. I'm kind of done with movies. <laughs> I'm looking at the books on bookshelves and being like, done with books. There's too much time to inhale content. And at least sports um, are highly unpredictable uh, in a two or three hour time capsule. And I think that's really missed. With with baseball, and I think Dan would probably back me up on this, it's not even just watching the games every day. It's sort of the the stories and the soap operas that you get into. Like so-and-so is having a bad year. We need to see him benched. Or this guy's really hot at AAA. Let's bring him up to the majors. He's the solution to all of our problems. And it's that day-to-day sort of soap opera that you get into, and it keeps your mind busy. And I miss that. I'm, yeah. I miss getting caught up in the particulars of a season. I like being in that inner group that follows the season closely and I'm reading all the, the fan blogs and, uh, the, the beat writers and just like completely, it's, it's a release for me, uh, baseball season as a daily exercise, just like the NBA season or hockey or, uh, these other sports that are gone are for other people. So that's the new normal we are in right now where it doesn't exist from Greg, our hot governor, Gavin Newsom. Uh, <laughs> this came, uh, Today, I believe, or maybe yesterday, he called sports and other large events unlikely this summer in California. Here's the quote. The prospect of mass gatherings is negligible at best until we get to herd immunity and get to a vaccine. So that's a little bit foreboding. And we're going to get to it just in a minute or so in the news um, about the idea of all. What does this mean for the NFL? Because the way this all broke schedule wise or timing wise for the NFL, it left uh, football in the clear for the time being. But you know how this is going to be. It's going to sneak up on everybody unless this thing makes a hard left turn and we're in the clear. The NFL is going to face uh, issues just the way these other sports have. Yeah, I think as this has gone on, the reality of how long it's going to take is is setting in. And you guys mentioned like the baseball season and sports in general. I feel like our job on some level is just like to help distract people from, you know, the reality that they're going to die someday. Like that's that's what sports is. And now you got none of that. And you sum have, it up, Greg. Right. I mean, inst- instead of like being distracted from that, I think people are facing that right in the mirror. Um, and and we thought we had the perfect timing with football and everything. But and we'll get to it in the news, just like the Bay Area. You know, um, I think it's like the the sports commissioner, like health commissioner there. He's, you know, saying like we're making the decisions when people are back in stadiums. It's not going to be the president or the commissioners of sports leagues. And maybe there's going to be a push and pull with that. But you realize like it's not as easy as just like, okay, they'll be back to go in, in September. What was that take that sports distract us from the fact that we're going to die? Well, I think most oh, that's true. I think most everything. I would love to know a little a little more on that. You don't just gloss over a statement. Yeah, OK. Like that. Um, well, I think most every sort of like, you know, light 
um, entertainment is, yeah, on some level, kind of like a distraction from that. You know, we're all on this earth and eventually we, we won't be anymore. Is this and a so you, podcast? Is it finally happening? Let's you, do it. You got to, you know, spend, you know, you got to use your time up kind of like getting distracted from that. Yeah. Well, I think a cornerstone of depression is dealing with the fact that we're all going to die. A cornerstone of mental illness is that despair and anything that can take your mind off of it is valuable. I and think it had- could be okay thing like being aware of that that means you're gonna you, you make sure to enjoy the time that you have and, and for me that's like watching and covering sports diving I'm, deep and yeah stuff like that. i'm not just dis- i'm not disagreeing with you per se but if that's the reason i watch sports it is buried way 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 in the back of myself well of course that's um, that that means it's working one thing with yeah maybe <laughs> uh one thing with uh having young children too when you have a five-year-old or a four-year-old in that range when they start asking they start to understand the the notion of death, they start asking some questions that are difficult to answer. Oh, so that's yeah. been floating around uh, Hansus Manor for uh, about a month or two now. So um, deal with that on top of it. Yeah. What kind um, of questions? Oh, uh, am I going to die? My five-year-old mm-hmm. asking, are you going to yeah, die? That's, that's are you going to get old? I don't want you to get old. I'm never going to get old. You're not going to die. The stuff like that. Mo- and then most it's like, of, well, how do you handle this? <laughs> most of Walker's biggest fears are, are about that. We were just talking about it because I mentioned, you know, we're going to talk about Willie Davis, uh, the Packers great who passed away. And um, they asked me about that because I was looking up some stuff in a book and he happened to pass away in Santa Monica. And they were just like, well, where does he go after the hospital? And I was like, well, he either goes, you know, in the ground or, uh, you know, they burn him up and put him in a can. Uh, you know, it's tricky. <laughs> <laughs> Not the way I expected to get into this uh, news brief, but um, I just say they enough. go to heaven. But you could you could give them the literal <laughs> breakdown of what happens. Well, to the we go by cemetery. It's come up before because we go they go swimming near a cemetery. They ask what that is. I tell them. Yeah. Wes, that is something you have to like look adults. forward to. A little toddler corpse talk. Maybe uh, bring Greg in on it. I may not nice borrow the can. Zoom. Speech. I, mean, I didn't really say that. I, that part of it, I was making up to, to, to be. Funny. We might talk about spreading ashes somewhere, you know, over yeah. the ocean, but I don't know about a can. And son, make sure you use a good crematorium. You don't want chunky. You want nice. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't really say that. <laughs> All right. Uh, yes, let's do some news. I like to spice it up here at Casa del Slayer. Today is Hero and Villains Day. About 35 minutes before the show is scheduled to start. I said, Erica, do we have a news drop yet? She said, nothing yet. You know, waited one, two, three beats. And then I was like, okay, here it comes. Maybe we'll use something for my new viral video that I put out. Okay, Ricky. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, it's important because it's it's the first time in at least like four or five days that Erica's repeatedly asked us to retweet something. So it's like four to five days. It's the second time you've exaggerated. You said smash the retweet. Ricky, tell us about that video because it's getting some love. It's getting some pop on social. Yeah, it's doing pretty well. We just did a quarantine, uh, uh, you know, uniform reveal. We have all the Browns released theirs today. We actually had this video done last week, but we wanted to release it when the Browns did. So it kind of, you know, matched the peak. That's social for you, Greg. And, um, you know, it's just funny that they do these dumb hip hop videos, like revealing the the uniform. So we're like, why don't we do what our quarantine uniform looks like? Mark, do you have a problem with Ricky using the back of your favorite team's uniform reveal to launch uh, viral content and maybe steal the spotlight a little bit from your Browns? <laughs> Not overtly, because if I suggest any um, sort of anti-Ricky narrative attached to this, uh, what will happen is on our, our Instagram page, my image won't appear for the next two or three months. Um, it'll be all Dan and Greg. 
and uh, it'll probably take place on Twitter and other platforms. So Wait, I very much, I very much in favor of what this? Ricky's done. And if, hmm. if Ricky can overtake our Instagram page with um, images of none of us, but all of her friends, why not? Go for it. Well, Lakeisha, <laughs> Colleen, Jane Slater, they're friends of the show. So I did they some are. videography on that. that video. Yeah, Wes did, Wes did some great you know, camera work. Mm. All right, good <laughs> stuff. And, and every every once in a while, you could tell there's going to be a little of a, a Sessler edge to the show. And I think we got the edge today. I'm looking forward to it. I feel like I'm it's not, been an edgy I, I'm week. Barely, I'm barely spoken in the show so far. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I, I mentioned, <laughs> I, I mentioned uh, that we'd talk a little bit more about, you know, what's going on with sports going forward. Will we have any type of sporting calendar in 2020 uh, as COVID-19 turns everything in the world upside down? It's time for our first appearance from Dr. Anthony Fauci. We love this guy, Tony Fauci. It's the guy um, that... Colleen has fallen for. She said it as much on last last week's show. He's the director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, uh, and he's a member of Trump's White House Corona Task Force. And he's a guy that a lot of people um, are trusting in this time to give us um, smart, sensible, um, medically based and based on science uh, input on what's going on with this terrible COVID-19 and the coronavirus. He also is uh, debunking the myth that 5G lowers immunity uh, to coronavirus, which is all good stuff. We need somebody out there to say, you know, your cell phone bars aren't going to give you coronavirus. Fauci, just an example of why he's such a stud in, in this situation. Right, Mark? I, I think he's doing a great job, and he's doing it with um, people around him that might not be uh, direct allies. So it's there's an there's an element of bravery to saying what's on his mind and how he feels. Yes. Uh, Fauci was on Good Luck America. I don't know what that is, but uh, a man by the name of Peter Hamby uh, interviewed Fauci and he, he, he asked Fauci uh, when we might expect to see sports again, baseball, football, everything else. Here's what Fauci had to say. There's a way of doing that. Nobody comes to the stadium. Put them in big hotels, you know, wherever you want to play. Keep them very well surveilled, namely a, a surveillance, but have them tested like every week and make sure they don't wind up infecting each other or their family and just let them play the season. Ricky, did you put that music under there? Nice no, job. that was from the, the <laughs> that was from the show. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, the, again, it seems far off, but. Since we have no way of knowing how long this is going to linger and, and when it comes to a vaccine or this idea when we know that everybody's safe, it feels like the NFL will be affected and perhaps seriously, you know, by the time August and September rolls around. I feel like since I was a child, every sports publication, you know, every few years you would see predictions for the future. And one of the predictions was always like at some point before you die, Sports will transition fully to television or internet and there will be nobody in the stadiums. And it always seemed joyless and sterile to me. And it's not something I really have interest in. Hmm. It you would be, you be weird. I, I kind of see what you're saying. I, I'm with Wes a little bit on that. I aesthetically, I understand where you're coming from. Uh, absolutely. But let's say you have the option of having a half of red season, but it's without fans. Are you going to watch it? Are you going to want no. it? No, I've checked out for seasons at a time before, even with fans. I, I'd rather read a book or or study the history of, of baseball. I, I, I just that's not for me. And mm. it's easy to say that now. Maybe if we maybe if it goes on for a long time and I'm I pine for it, may, maybe. But 
It's just not something that interests me. I Well, I'll say this, Wes. Since it's so unprecedented, I don't think you're you saying that now is totally fair because you can only say how you feel in the moment. If the game started and let's say the Reds are 20 games over 500 and the product was the same for the most part, it's guys playing at the top level of the sport against each other. And and you kind of get used to the lack of noise. I know that will take a while for all of us if it happened. But I feel like I would be able to get into it if if the if the product on the field was still good and that didn't feel like it was compromised. That to me is the biggest thing. That's that's a fair retort. I, I think you know if if the Reds were twenty games over five hundred, I'd probably check to see if hell froze over before anything <laughs> happened. But yeah, I, I might get swept up in whatever fever that causes. Oh man, this is it's, weird. It's crazy. I mean, the the guy I mentioned earlier was actually the uh, the Santa Clara. Um, what is his name? The chief executive for Santa Clara County, who th- thought it'd be a major miracle for the NFL season to start on time. Now. You know, there, I'm sure there's people within the NFL that feel feel differently, and there and the governor is going to have his say on it, as you mentioned. But these are not, you know, events that are just taking place in a vacuum. People are traveling for these events. Who knows what the travel restrictions are going to be in terms of like traveling across states? Who who knows at that point? Like I, I kind of figured when this all started. Okay, well, we'll we have enough time before the NFL season, but I think it's pretty safe to say that whatever world we're returning to is going to be different for a while, maybe until there's, you know, uh, a vaccine. Yeah. I'm with you, Greg. I think it right now it's a wish. It's a nice wish. We would wish that the NFL season would start on time and you can continue to beat the drum of we're going to aim for 16 games. We're going to aim for um, all of this and maybe um, fan free venues. Uh, I, I'm fine with I would I would say this if, if the Brown season started today um, I would check in because of, why wouldn't I what, what what better do I have to do during big chunks of this um, and beyond it even being our our employment but uh, it would matter what's happening around sports I, I personally just personally would struggle to fall into um, you know pockets of distraction and delight uh, around a stadium free football game if the rest of the country is still totally melting down. I mean, I, I could for a bit, but it's it's a limited distraction. Hmm. Let me pose the question to you one more time now, Mark. A week later, you could be part of the team that finds the vaccine and puts an end to all this <laughs> indecision and madness and craziness. Or you could be an all-time gro- great coach for the Browns, bringing multiple titles to Believeland. Your choice. Well, I mean, we've just discussed um, Fauci and his – uh, you know, henchmen, uh, positive henchmen. So positive. I, think they, I think they've got it. <laughs> under, you. You, under did, you just gave me my fantasy baseball team name. If a season happens, I don't know the what they need henchmen. for me at this point. I, I still henchmen. see a Browns team that needs all those changes. So again, B. <laughs> that's good. That's a great band name. That is awesome. Positive henchmen. All right, let's move on. So B, you're sticking with uh, okay. Strong Which, by the way, no judgment there. Just wanted to see after that conversation if that changed anything. Nothing? <laughs> no, not at all. I'm very okay. I'm very strong in my opinion on that one. All right. Uh, some sad news uh, in the NFL. Longtime Packers defensive end Willie Davis. He's passed away at the age of 85. Uh, he was inducted into the Hall of Fame in 1981. First two years were spent in Cleveland with the Browns, but then he got traded to Vince Lombardi's Packers in 1960. Spent a dec- decade there. 
Um, a big time pass rusher. Saxton had become a stat, which blows my mind, but sacks were not an official stat in the NFL until 1982. So all these greats, um, coming off the edge in the old days, you don't, ha- it's difficult to measure what they were uh, if you didn't see them. Uh, but he was a big time pass rusher. He led the Packers to five league titles, including the back to back Super Bowls to start the Super Bowl era. Uh, a grambling, um, alum and also a member of the Black College Football Hall of Fame. So um, very sad news. Willie Davis dead at the age of 85. Wes, in your uh, studies of the game, do you have any good Willie Davis anecdotes? There was a time when Mark and I were growing up and you would hear about the Packers defenses from the 60s dynasty with Vince Lombardi. And the only name you would hear was Ray Nitschke, the middle linebacker who was sort of a Dick Buckus-like bone-rattling menace in the middle of the defense and then you read further and Willie Davis and Henry Jordan on the defensive line Dave Robinson at linebacker Herb Adderley and Willie Wood in the secondary this was a defense that was as star-studded as just about any you would ever see and Willie Davis was a five-time all-pro maybe even the best player on that defense he would easily have the Packers all-time sack record um, hmm. over a hundred John Turney who is a football researcher who goes back and watches games uh, from the 50s and 60s, has he said that Willie Davis has somewhere between 100 and 120 career sacks. And Davis has said Paul Horning reminded him one year that he had 25 in a season. Mm. So you're talking about one of the oh better sack seasons of all time. This guy was legit stud. It, as, as if um, Michael Strahan's sack record could be any more <laughs> legitimate. <laughs> and, uh, what a joke. And he uh, uh, he started his career as a Cleveland Brown. I can just imagine the 1960s version of Mark Sessler, um, who knew of Willie Davis as an offensive lineman for one year on the Browns, who was then traded to become maybe the best defensive end in the NFL. Uh, he was the captain of of the Packers. I mean, of all, of all these great, like he was the first black ta- captain, a black guy being captain in Green Bay in the in the 60s, the leader uh, of that team. He played for Eddie Robinson, Paul Brown, and Vince Lombardi. I mean, that's like the Mount, wow. I would say, on the Mount Rushmore of, of football coaches from that era. It's crazy. Good point. And it, it, it raises the question, and I know this would probably um, be, be far too in the weeds and, and take too much time, uh, but what if you had a committee that went back and their job, you hide them away. I mean, it's almost like a CIA project. You hide them away for two or three years. They watch every NFL game ever, and they bring us up to date on some of these mm. uh, sack totals. And, like, what stunning would, results would we have um, from that era that, that are completely lost and careers and achievements completely lost because well, we weren't tabulating certain numbers back then. It's a great idea. The only problem is I imagine there are various telecast dark spots, right? Where we uh, yeah, I don't think you games. had like, um, you know, full fledged all 22 from like seven angles happening back then. Mm, right. But yeah. even one angle. I don't know. I, I would imagine. That's, yeah, that's probable. Yeah. I, I've looked up quite a bit of this stuff. Like Turney has Deacon Jones with a couple of seasons, 26 and 28 sacks. There's a guy who played for the Bengals mm. in 76, 77 named Coy Bacon, who some some studies show him with like 30 sacks in a season and then other ones have him at like 22. So there's no like agreed upon total. Uh, also, before we, we move on, he, his nickname was Doctor. Uh-huh. And uh, they asked, you know, why was his nickname Doctor? He, he said he was called that as a, as a child uh, by all the women because he made him feel so good. 
Yeah, Willie Davis. <laughs> that's no, honestly Willie the Davis. best thing about him. <laughs> I'm so happy you brought that up because that's something I want to say, be heard about uh, myself if my eulogy was delivered. Good job, Greg, putting a button on it. Not the only sad loss uh, in the NFL fraternity. Um, I missed this earlier this week, but I wanted to make sure to touch on it. Former Vikings and Seahawks quarterback Tavares Jackson died on Sunday night in a car crash. He was just 36 years old. Ten-year uh, NFL career began with the Vikings, drafted in the second round uh, of the 2006 draft. Started 21 games, uh, including a playoff game for the Vikings, uh, but was typically a backup uh, with them. He bounced around a little bit before leaving the league. He had been doing some staying in football, not at the pro level, but as a coach in recent years. Uh, Tavares Jackson uh, dead at the age of 36, and that is terrible. I would give you a little nugget um, related to this show and Tavares Jackson that, uh, you know, when we when we started before the podcast, we were um, around the league, a, a blogging site that kind of launched inside NFL.com. And suddenly Dan and I were the initial people to to write for that and um, had general managers and agents and players suddenly startled and annoyed at us um, for some of the articles coming out from that time in the first ever around the league post was based on Tavares Jackson. Um, I, I don't think it's appropriate for me to discuss what the, what the angle of the story was, but he was the subject. <laughs> and uh, so a little bit of um, podcast history attached to him. I have Super a t- Bowl winner backup uh, for Russell Wilson on the Seahawks team. Was he really? Wow. Yep. He was the number two. Yeah. Cause he started um, most of the season, I think it was the year before uh, Russell was was drafted. Had about a 500 season. Had a winning season with with Brad Childress and Daryl Bevel and Troy Williamson and Adrian Peterson back uh, before that as a starter too. I have a Tavares Jackson memory. Back in 2006, uh, the Jets and Vikings were on the schedule against each other. It was early December, and my friend Greg from back in New York is a huge Vikings fan. So we said, you know, let's do it. Let's fly to Minneapolis. And it was uh, both teams were in playoff contention. So we it just worked out that way. Luckily we had bought the tickets far in advance. So it was a week 15 game, essentially a play in game for both teams. And the jets jump out to a big lead. It's 26 to seven. And Brad Johnson is the Vikings quarterback and he's not playing well. And the crowd's cheering and they want Tavares Jackson, who was the kid that had the big preseason. They bring him in in the third quarter. It was essentially his NFL debut uh, in meaningful football, and he he led them to a touchdown drive and mm. uh, kind of put him back in the game. The Jets still won the game. And then afterwards, me and my buddy were walking outside the Metrodome, and there was a card and comic shop across the street uh, from the stadium, and who's in there signing autographs? It's Tavares mm. Jackson, and he's in there, <laughs> and everyone, the whole the whole place is packed with a, a huge line. Vikings are great. It's a great fan base of uh, waiting, to, and he's sitting next to his girlfriend at the time, and I don't know if it was his uh, future wife. I have no idea. I know he's married to three kids, um, but I remember thinking at the time, wow, this like we're here for this guy's moment because at that time it was very clear that Brad Johnson was going to lose his job, and Jackson did take over the, as a starter the next week. Mm. And uh, it made me think of that immediately because I remember seeing like he clearly, even though they had lost the game, that he had gotten his chance and he just seemed to be in good spirits. So it was, uh, you know, very sad uh, to lose Tavares Jackson this young. Total bummer. All right. uh, Moving on. Mark, you've been waiting for this. The Browns revealed their newest jerseys, and it is one of those throwback to the future deals and they have adopted essentially, and correct me if I'm wrong here, Mark, 
what is their more traditional look, the one that you grew up on in the 80s, uh, maybe some minor differences, helmet, uh, face mask, color aside. This is the Browns uniform you've been waiting for, right? I think the it'd be safe to say that 98% of Browns fans um, of a certain age were hoping this is the direction they'd go in. They certainly hinted at this. I think they, um, to maybe prevent uh, pre- uh, you know, reveal outrage. They made it clear, I think, for a dating back to a year plus, that the uh, uniforms would return to traditional, um, a traditional look. I love them. I think, I mean, because I love them because they just remind me of uh, uniforms they should not have veered away from to begin with. Uh, some of the more notable changes, because if you go back to some people are saying, you know, it's just the 2014 uniforms all over again. Well, the uh, orange and brown sock stripes are new. Uh, they did keep the matte helmet finish from the more recent um, debacle version, which I like. I think that was one of the only things I liked about those. Uh, it harks back to uh, classic Browns uniforms. And, you know, depending on uh, where you sit aesthetically, I would say these are some of the better uniforms in the NFL. I'm being objective about that. They're simple. They're sparse. And in a time when, and it's not just Nike, but I think we're seeing uniforms go in these newfangled directions that are getting tagged as AFL looks or certain college looks. This is old. Um, this is old school. This is Cleveland. And I think the response has been um, extremely positive. And I give the team credit in an era where this has been a problem for them. Um, they listened to the fans. They didn't um, get too cute or too creative or too off bent here. And they, they nailed it. I think I would consider it a home run um, at a time when the Browns needed something and get, you know, it's, it's similar to the bucks when the bucks are a bad football team, but their uniforms make your eyes bleed. You're doubling down on the pain. The Browns have removed at least the uniform aspect of this. The next part is to bring some of the traditional winning back versus five and six win um, disaster dramas to our I, I house this, every autumn. This quote from executive vice president and co-owner J.W. Johns. I didn't know. I thought the Haslam's were the only owners, but this guy must have a minority stake. Uh, as you look at iconic franchises like the Browns, the Bears, the Packers, and the Cowboys, they're true to, true to who they are. They're not doing a lot of changes and trying to make a lot of flashy moves with their uniforms. Well, yeah, they should have never changed them in the first place. They should. I understand there's always that uh, that move you want to kind of freshen things up but when you're the cleveland browns we've talked about this a hundred times mark there's only so many directions you can go in the first place so going with the more historic uh meat and potatoes version always made the most sense for the browns so you understand why they gave into temptation because it seems like a really fun thing to have all these different reveals and the teams go nuts on social and with big events i remember the browns event five years ago when the guy got stuck underneath the uh the overcoat when he's trying to pull it off and the, it had all the flashing lights everywhere. It was like a club scene. This is what it should have always been. So they're, they're admitting a mistake. The Browns, they do that from time to time, make mistakes. And it's good that they're, you know, getting where they should be. Right. Yeah. I wonder what the, what the other uh, people in the room think. I mean, I, I'm pleased. What do you guys, how do you feel? Uniforms are a touchstone um, for classic franchises, especially when times are bad, they make you, like you said, harken back, to, to the times when they were good. And I, I would even, you talked about the NFL teams, the Packers, uh, the Cowboys, the Steelers. I think the Raiders are one of those teams with a classic uniform that mm -hmm. stand the test of time. And you could, I, I, to me, I think first of the New York Yankees, Dan's team, like the pinstripes, 
and you think of the history and, and there's something there to grab onto as a fan. It just stands the test of time. To me, it's sort of like this is how sports should be. You don't want your organization changing for change sake all the time. And I think the best organizations keep things classic. No, they look great. Although, the to be fair, the color rush ones they kept also look great. And those are newer. Um, it feels like a home run. Congratulations, Mark. I know this was very important to you. <laughs> well, it's like if they got it wrong and there's no there's nothing else happening, there's no other news happening, this becomes the centerpiece for four or five weeks and then I'm frankly happy. four or five years. So, so this are you was gonna, critical. Are you gonna enjoy it? I mean, are, what are you doing to celebrate it? How high like how long will this high last for you? <laughs> I mean, I'm opening up all the doors and windows in my house and uh, I'm just have my car running in the driveway with no one in it. What the little things I can do in the current environment to show if, um, that I'm pleased. If they rolled out ugly uniforms, would you have backed that car into the garage and then closed it? <laughs> I would have simply walked right into the hot zone of COVID and just said, take me away. Where, where is that located? I would find it. The hospital. Yeah. All right. Uh, and speaking of the Browns, some news floating around there. Jay Glazer, uh, me and him have feuded. He's not aware of it about mailbag stuff in the past, uh, but he's also a pretty gifted uh, NFL insider in the sense that when Glazer says a scoop, when he talks about scoopage, you take it seriously because he's one of the most plugged in guys. And on Tuesday night, uh, he teased his Wednesday night radio show, which is coming up in a few hours, Fox Football Now, promising, quote, big national news. I'm not kidding around. So we don't know. We'll find out by the time you listen to this. You might know what it is, but we don't know what it is. And as that scoopage uh, has been hanging in the air, WFAN, which comes up a lot on the show, especially recently, the New York uh, sports radio station, Mark Malusis, who works for that station, tweeted that the Browns and Vikings were in trade talks for star wide receiver Odell Beckham. Here is the tweet from Malusis, who is not a plugged in NFL media guy, you should understand this as I, I before I even read this that this is not scoopage you should take seriously, but sometimes these things do uh, come to pass. Here we go. Discussions on a trade that would send uh, Beckham to the Vikings for a second and fifth round pick next year. Trade is not den- done, but the deal is being discussed. So people are connecting the Glazer big announcement with this. I don't know about that, but it's in the air. You guys think this is something that could happen? You think the Browns, Mark, would move on from Beckham after one year? Well, I mean, I want to hear what what Greg has to think about the source of this. Number one, mm. but um, I would say <laughs> this: that uh, two things before Beckham was shipped to the Browns, and I'm someone that when I get um, caught up on a Browns like rumor, I will go deep Twitter and I, I'll read anything that anyone puts out there. And there's a lot of you're bad on the dark web. I mean, I, I just, I just, I want to just see what's out there. And there was a lot of chatter about Beckham on a low level plane that no one would take seriously before it happened. So I just think that in general, um, stuff gets out there. I don't, I would say this was, um, this seemed to come more from the Vikings, according to this report. Uh, my, my two things is why, why move someone who at this point, unless you're going to go draft a wide receiver is critical to your offense. Number two, I don't think his salary is extremely prohibitive and get more value than that. If you're going to trade Odell Beckham, who a billionaire, you've just released new jerseys. How many people right now are buying Beckham jerseys? Okay. I just watched a, a documentary with Kevin Stefanski, whose son is obsessed with Odell Beckham. I'm not, that has no factor in this, but if you're going to move on from him, I need a good explanation of why that's mm. happening and the value better blow people away where the lingering criticism around that would fade quickly. 
Well, you're not going to get the value that that the the Giants got. If they traded Beckham, you're not going to get that package. I wonder if the explanation is. I wonder if the explanation mark is that he's a pain in the ass and he's always hurt. But I mean, pain in the ass feels to me because he honestly, yeah, there were a few little things with him um, in a with a team that was very dysfunctional last year. Like, is he that big of a pain in the ass? I mean, is is that something that the Browns? I think it's why he wasn't on the Giants anymore. Well, but I think the media like is going to cling to that no matter what. I just don't see that he. If you go look at the good things that Odell Beckham has done in Cleveland, and I'm talking about charity wise and for his teammates and other stuff, um, I, I just don't buy into the we've got to move on from this problem character on any level. I just think they have unfinished business. Like as somebody who believes in his talent and Baker Mayfield's talent, it would be very disappointing to me if the Browns just cut the cord without um, us seeing like a full healthy. Odell Beckham season and an offensive line that can block for Baker Mayfield. And I don't want to plug Jake Laser's show anymore because, you know, we've already brought him up four times in the last five minutes, but uh, he did. What's well, a TV show? First of all, not a radio show. So no, that's fine. We can get a little, mis- too much. little misinformation is not a bad thing. <laughs> the new here's what Glazer tweeted. The news I have hey, tonight Noble. is not transactional news, not a player getting traded or signed. Uh, so, you know, it's probably not Beckham related. So everybody calm down a little bit. There, there is a reason why no other, you know, people that cover the NFL is reporting this because to, to Mark's point, I think maybe things have been floating around uh, like on the dark web and maybe, you know, someone like Malusis who doesn't have as much experience is going to put that out there. That, that said, it doesn't seem that crazy to me that Beckham would be a guy that gets traded on draft day, especially if the Browns are, sitting at that 10 spot and they have the receiver that they love. And if they got a package for Beckham, then, then it makes a little bit of Bob McGinn, more sense. Bob McGinn, who we all respect in this, the, in the draft realm. And he's writing for the athletic. Now, I think he said that there, the people that he's talking to, there are like 15 wide receivers who can legit play coming into this draft class. So if you wanted to get get out from under a contract and bring in somebody on the rookie mm. scale that you really believe, there's only in. two or three that you could conceivably believe you know would replace Odell Beckham. But but there are those guys. Whereas most drafts, you you would not have that or zero or zero. But but at least you might have a front office believing that that those top guys could do something like that. All right, that's what's happening in the news before uh, we sign off. I thought it would be uh, good to check in with somebody, uh, somebody that uh, we haven't heard from for, uh, for a while, someone who's been very busy within the walls of our company, virtual walls as they are now, somebody who's got takes, somebody who just turned a year older, and uh, and there he is, coming to you right now, Dave Ely. What's wow. up, everybody? How you doing? All right. It's nice to see you and talk to people. <laughs> Senior editor, NFL media. Is that accurate title? Yes, that's accurate. How about you, I mean, senior editor? I mean, you really when you when you bring in a surprise guest, you really hit us with the star power here, Dan. <laughs> Listen, I think there's <laughs> a lot to talk to. We had an episode of the bunker one, so I mean, I'm sure I wasn't top of the list. Do you have Do you have like earphones or anything, Dave? Or are you just you just speaking into your computer I'm microphone? Into the company issued computer microphone. <laughs> it's crisp I'm I sure it, the audio is good first of all I want to thank you Dave for working so hard uh, keeping the desk moving for NFL.com uh, I just want to touch on a couple things quickly with you before we okay. uh, say goodbye number Maybe one even a little more quickly because of this audio thing uh, let's be honest 
man. I know. That's that's just Greg. You just gotta Dave, what is going on with you right now? You just celebrated a birthday. What was it like to celebrate a birthday in deep quarantine? Uh, it was interesting. Um, I turned 33 last week. Uh, I did a bunch of Zooms with some friends. Um, share, um, popped a solo bottle of champagne. That was fun. Oh, not again. Uh, yeah. And, you know, just... <laughs> You know, listeners might remember that Dave had a bottle of champagne all queued up to pop in a hot tub when the Panthers were in the Super Bowl. Uh, he worked the desk that night. Cam Newton didn't fall on the fumble. The Broncos win. And Dave then uh, went back to his house alone and, and drank the champagne in a state of depression. Uh, months later, because I also saved it for a potential UNC National Championship, and that's when they lost to Villanova on the last second. So Ooh, that was yeah. a bottle of champagne. And that three ball. Yeah, so a little bit of a cursed champagne, but this one went down a little easier. It, it was great. Okay, speaking of Cam Newton, topic number two. Uh, and you can follow Dave Ely on Twitter at? David underscore Ely. Really good stuff. And also on Instagram at? David no underscore Ely, so just D-A-V-I-D-E-L-Y. <laughs> There's right. a lot going on on that Instagram account lately. I, I recommend plugging in. Mm-hmm. There you go. There's your little plug that you asked for, Dave. Um, and then the Panthers, speaking of Cam Newton, you, how about the idea that you you kick the the hero out of town for the guy that averages six air yards per attempt, Teddy Bridgewater? Uh, I mean, it is it's it is what it is. It's a new era they're rebuilding. I, I hope to see Cam Newton land on his feet with a good team somewhere. Uh, it'd be fun if he landed on your Patriots, Craig and Eric. Mm. I think that would be, that'd be fun to see. But uh, it was sad. Um my mom, for some reason, she sent me like a uh, care package, and she included the Aww. copy of the Trail Observer from the day that Cam Newton was released. For some reason, and I'm sorry, <laughs> what <was> this? <laughs> she's not on your team. It was an interesting uh, birthday present. So, Ely, you named your dog Cam. Um, I did, kind of much like Mark named his kid Mark. Colt. Are you, you know, with a dog, you could change the name oh. in theory, right? Yeah. What about Dan Down Arrow Six Point Zero? We're uh, we're rebranding Teddy Bridgewater, Dan. It's eighteen air feet per attempt. Oh my gosh, you guys are rough. <laughs> oh, there he is, Cam. That's a cute dog. He's a good boy. He's a good boy. And that, she, she. Oh, interesting. And um, I just want to touch on that. You have the dog, and that's good to have companionship during this situation. Yeah, it's nice. Uh, um. Hmm. So you have, you have the, roommates, Ely, or yeah, no? I right. guess not. If you were eating, it's drinking it's alone, me and the dog. Uh, we we talk a lot. I once um I took a log of everything she did one day because I was really curious about her sleeping habits. So that's mm. kind of like the mm. entertainment I'm doing on quarantine. Do you ever go online and take a log of everything your ex girlfriend does in a day? No, I have not yet. That's I think that's more for like if it's post June one. Because or, I think for a lot of people during this time, you, you might check in on what's going on in social with certain. Feels like a ripe time past. for that. Yeah. Yep. Um, been doing that at all. Uh, maybe, maybe in the future. I don't know. It's been like it's been ten years. I think that'd be a little weird. Ely, what um, like I, I I would imagine the story is grim for this app, but what is happening um on Tinder in the middle of all this? Uh, oh, I great question. Know. I don't know. I wouldn't know. You're off. How about the some dating other dating app? app? Uh, I just, How about I'm, other dating? I'm not on Tinder. I, uh, there's other apps that I prefer. What are, what's your preferred app right now? You could say it. Uh, uh, Bumble. Bumble. Oh yeah, Bumble's good. But what's happening today? Is Bumble nice right now, or is it sort of a? a Is it like an airport? 
It's uh, it's a mixed bag. It's a lot of sexting. I mean, you do what you can. You know, that's what it is. If you connected to somebody that. on Bumble, and maybe you have, everyone if you, knows that. If you connected to someone on Bumble and really hit it off, would you risk it all with a meeting? I would not risk the, my health in the quarantine times. And no, should any no should any of your viewers out there. Very good. Very good, Dave. You, you keep closing doors. I don't know yeah. why you're closing any doors at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Anything I, else? I mean, I'm, I'm not young anymore. I mean, Touche. Again, speaking with Dave Ellis, senior editor, NFL.com. Uh, Dave, again, you've been doing great work leading the team during this crisis. Thank you. Thank you very much. And I would, say, I would say that if you did want to reach out just to see if certain people from your past are okay, you can do that. And I don't think it's even weird. I don't think it's a breach of any protocol. I, I appreciate it. All right. Dave? And, and Dave, the, the people that say you're working like a, a nine-month pregnant uh, Lakeisha a little too hard, I, I defend you against those criticisms. I, I, think, I think they're basic. <laughs> I, I, I really appreciate that. Who are those people, Greg? That <laughs> people talking. And one final note: a little the, the headphones with the earpiece. I can't give up the sources. <laughs> a headphone to the a microphone whenever you do something like this. Say what? I, I lost you for a second. Don't worry about it. Dave Ely, follow him on Twitter, Instagram. We love you, buddy. Just wanted to check in. Uh, you're looking good. You're looking healthy. So we're happy to we're happy to see and hear it. Thanks. Appreciate it. All right. This is fun. Thanks, Dave. There you go. The great Dave Ely. I just thought it'd be nice to check in. Greg, I saw you arched an eyebrow, but um, you talked about how you, on our most recent show, you'd like to go back to the office and get back in the mix. Oh, yeah. That's somebody we haven't seen for a long time. The arch was uh, completely at the audio quality. (laughs) I mean, you can't come on. You cannot come on. It's just like driving a car into, yeah, the garage or something. It was terrible. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Do you want to put that on Erica a little bit? You can do that. She's a producer. It's a little pre-production work, maybe. Don't you dare. <laughs> don't you dare. I mean, Erica also has the power just to remove Greg from the show whenever she feels like it. So, Or me. I mean, yeah. Now's yeah. a fine time. I think we're wrapping up. <laughs> All right. Um, big show coming up tomorrow. I'm, I'm excited about this one. Kyle Brandt of Good Morning Football. Uh, the NFL Network family, one of our favorite guys. It's his first appearance on the show. And I will do a little tease on this. Chris Wessling, he has some unfinished business or something from the past that obviously was something that stuck with him that he'd like to kind of bring to the forefront on tomorrow's show. And Mm. and that's what he's going to do. Nothing bad, nothing negative, but something clearly that has stuck with him that he wanted to address when he made an appearance on our podcast. So that's coming up tomorrow. You're saying this has specifically to do with me. You are directly connected to it. Yes. I am befuddled. Yeah. Nonplussed even. So nothing negative, but something clearly that's he wants to address. It feels like maybe something that's been on his conscience or what. I don't know. But Kyle uh, reached out to me specifically to say he wanted to talk about this on the show. And I was only too happy to say, yes, of course, let's do it. I am verklempt, but green light. Let's let's All go right. about it. So there not another um, feud per se with a GMFB character. Definitely not a feud. <laughs> uh, I think the opposite, in fact. Uh, and then Friday, the Twitter show is back. So Thursday will be our final audio show of the week tomorrow. And then Friday, the Twitter show is back. And we have Cam Jordan, uh, the star, superstar Saints defender, uh, will be joining us live on Friday. So make sure you check that out. Maybe. 
Oh, really? Is that still maybe? Yeah, I, I, I don't know if it's confirmed. Was a go. All right. Yeah, Great. but probably, probably. Let's just say it's a go, and yeah. you know, if it's not, it's not. And he's bringing a surprise guest. All right, good. So tune in for that. <laughs> Dan Hansis signing off for Quiet Storm, the mailman, the old boss, and Rick Hollywood behind the door of her apartment. Until Thursday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish spring body wash and bar soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.